0: The Gwinnett Baseball Report, brought to you by Molder and Associates, making dreams come true one home at a time. I'm your host, Cody Butler, and I'll be giving you extensive coverage of baseball from the 12U ranks to the Gwinnett Stripers all season long. If they're playing baseball in Gwinnett County, I'm on top of it. Welcome on into the Gwinnett Baseball Report, episode 12. Fantastic show this week lined up, guys. We have an interview with Parkview great, Georgia Bulldog sensation, 10-year MLB veteran Jeff Keppinger. And I got to be honest, this interview with Keppinger is one of the best I've ever done. Uh, He delivers outstanding content, and I'm just so thrilled to bring this to you on our platform. He gives us so much valuable information. It's just truly, it was a great experience to speak with him, and I'm really glad to bring this with y'all. And if you think that's not enough, we're talking Elite 8 baseball. Nine teams in the Gwinnett County went to the Sweet 16, seven are advancing. We sit down with the 2019 Gwinnett County Player of the Year, North Gwinnett catcher Corey Collins. And we also talk with possibly the best defensive center fielder in the state, Hebron Christian center fielder Max Bennett. Yeah, so loaded show, lot to get into. Let's get rolling. Now let's talk about the Sweet 16 last week. A really good week for Gwinnett County. Nine teams entered the Sweet 16, seven are moving on. Let's get into it. North Gwinnett was able to sweep for Cyphe Central 8-6 and 10-1. Uh, closer series this week for the Bulldogs for sure, but they were able to pull it away like they should. 29-5 on the year. The competition will continue to rise. North Gwinnett hosts Etowah next week. Parkview is able to stay undefeated in postseason play, continuing to roll. They swept North Forsyth 8-6 and 13-0. The Panthers will host Walton next week, looking to get a little bit of revenge for Collins Hill earlier this season. Mill Creek was able to win another three-game series. They took down Milton on the road two games to one. The Hawks dropped the opener 8-7, to but were able to bounce back 5-1 to and 11 nothing victories game two and game three. Once again, the Hawks will be on the road. They'll be traveling to Powder Springs as they take on Hillgrove, the Region 3 champion, next week. The only Gwinnett-on-Gwinnett matchup we had this week, Brookwood, Grayson, we were able to cover it and bring you multiple games. Uh, just an outstanding matchup. Brookwood took Game 1, six to 6-4, but Grayson just showed why they're a Region champion. They bounced back, took the nightcap 7-5, to five, and then really controlled Game 3. So you got to give hats off to Grayson. They took down Brookwood after dropping the opener, and uh, the Rams move on. They'll host Noonan next week. Yeah, so let's recap 7A really quick. North Gwinnett, Parkview, Mill Creek, and Grayson. Eight total teams left in the GHSA 7A playoffs. Four of them right here in Gwinnett. In 6A, the defending state champion, Pope Greyhounds, they were able to take down Decula in three games. Gotta give credit to Coach Gaffney and the Falcons. Tremendous season. Yeah, they lost the opener 11-6, to but Marcelio Allen uh, continued. He picked up another win on the mound. Picked up a 7-4 to victory. Decula forced the Friday game three. Gage Felton pitched an absolute gem. He was sensational. Unfortunately for Decula, uh, just a really great pitching effort by Pope as well. They were able to take a 1-0 final. So yeah, just got to give a shout out to Decula. They made it to the Sweet 16. Had a tough draw going on the road at Pope, who won the back-to-back state championships. And uh, yeah, Decula season just comes up a little bit just short. And 5A... Buford was able to sweep Kell on the road. Really competitive matchups. 5-4 game 1, 3-1 game 2. A really close series for Buford to go on the road at a region champion in Kell. Once again, the Royals will be playing another region champion next week. They'll be taking on the Ola Mustangs. Uh, So that's going to be a really tough one. Down in 1A, Hebron Christian does it again. The Lions are 4-0 now in the playoffs. Don't call it an upset. They were able to sweep number 4 Lakeview Academy. They took both games. And uh, Hebron Christian's just showing you that they were misseeded this year. They're one of the best teams in the state. They're going to travel to number five, Cavalry Day, head down to Savannah. And uh, Hebron's looking to get a couple more wins. Wesleyan, they had a bit of a scare this week, but they got it done. They took down North Cobb Christian 2-1. to one, uh, Won the opener 6 to nothing pretty easily. Dropped game two, but came back in game three, scored a lot of runs, and showed they were the better team. Uh, Wesleyan will move on to host Fellowship Christian. So to recap, seven teams moving on, North Gwinnett, Parkview, Mill Creek, Grayson, Buford, Hebron Christian, and Wesleyan. Gwinnett Baseball Report is so thrilled to bring you our interview with 10-year MLB veteran Jeff Keppinger. Keppinger went to Parkview High School in 1996-1998, and over his career, he hit 496, which is still the career batting average leader to this day in 2019. In his senior season in 1998, Keppinger hit 556, which is still the single season record. Keppinger went on to go to UGA where he was a two time NCAA All American. He hit 380 for his career at UGA from 1998 to 2001. In his final year as a Bulldog in 2001, Keppinger hit 389 with 18 home runs and 73 RBIs. Even more incredibly, in the postseason when it mattered the most, he hit 500 with 9 home runs and 16 RBIs. 10 tournament games. As he'll mention later on in the show, he was locked in. He was later a fourth-round draft pick by the Pittsburgh Pirates. He debuted in MLB in 2004 and he played baseball in the major and he played baseball at the highest level for over 10 years. He developed a reputation as being one of the best contact hitters in the game. He led the league with the fewest strikeout rates twice in 2008 and 2010. When it came to putting the ball in play, MLB teams knew they could count on Jeff Keppinger. In 2010, he struck out 36 times in over 510 big league at bats. Keppinger still lives in Gwinnett County here to this day. Uh, he's a Parkview legend, he's a Georgia legend, and he's an MLB great, and we're so thrilled to speak with him. Now, before we get to our interview, first, a quick word from our sponsor.
1: Game Time League's developmental program is here to develop a player's individual skill set by placing an emphasis on individual, position-specific training. During the summer, players will gather at college facilities across the country for a brand new way to enhance their skill set. Each development program will carry a 35-man roster and be instructed by six highly qualified coaches. These coaches will begin developing fundamentals that participants already possess, and the coaches will build on and fine-tune these fundamentals throughout the duration of the program. Our development programs are designed to focus on specific positional baseball training, offense, defense, speed and agility, strength and conditioning, and nutrition. The goal of the Game Time College Developmental Program is to develop each student-athlete's skill set from the baseball field to the weight room. Game Time League's development baseball program is dedicated to preparing each and every student-athlete for the rigors of their upcoming season.
0: Jeff, how are you doing? I'm doing great. I am fantastic, Jeff. We got to talk about it, man. Let's start at Parkview High School, 1996 through 1998. You hit 496 in your career. To this day, you're still the batting title leader there. Talk about your time in Loberne. Um.
2: Well, it was mostly based around baseball. My parents uh, moved us up here from down south Miami, down south Florida, uh, near Miami, and they looking, they were looking for a good baseball school, and they had heard that uh, Hugh Buchanan, the head coach at Parkview, would have about three to five kids every year sign sign scholarships. So that's what my parents are looking for and they got us up here in the Parkview School District.
0: Well that definitely certainly paid off. Talk about the state championship you were able to win with Parkview. Uh well that was the
2: only year in high school that me and my brother got to play together. He was our ace pitcher, our three hole hitter, our center fielder and I was a sophomore. He was a junior and uh we just lit it up. I don't know, it seemed like every time I'd be on base my brother would hit a homer or, you know, drive me in, I'd steal second, drive me in and uh we just had we had a great team and we had a great pitching staff. Our pitching staff was really good. We had a bunch of lefties in our pitching staff and and then Jason Boswell was our was our one righty on our staff and they just basically kept us in it until I'd top of the order to score some runs.
0: Well yeah, that definitely continued over in your senior year. You broke another park view record, you hit five fifty six, which is pretty incredible. Yeah. got
2: I got locked in and you know Parkview's a short short field and I mean I'm a little guy so even for me that was a short field to be able to hit homers in and be able to drive the ball in so um yeah I got I don't know I've always had a decent batting eye and I just I got locked in with those metal bats and you know those those balls jump off those metal bats back in the day when I was there they uh they've definitely tuned them back a little bit so they don't have as much pop but Back when I played,
0: they, they came off that bat hot. A decent batting guy. That's modest to say the least. Um, let's talk about your time at Georgia. Just another beast at Georgia. Career 380 hitter. You were there from 99 to 21. Uh, let's talk. I mainly want to talk about that junior season. Just a special season. You won the SEC. Y'all made it to Omaha. Uh, just incredible numbers 389, 18 home runs, 73 RBIs. First, let's just talk about your time in Athens, and then we'll get to 2001. All right.
2: Well, my time in Athens was awesome. I think that's the best college there is. If I, if I recommended any high school kid that played ball, I'd be recommended to go there. I mean, Athens is a great town, great sports, great sports there, great sports fans, and
0: it's just an awesome place to be. Now, 2001, I mean, just the tournament numbers stand out for themselves. You hit 500 in the tournament, 9 home runs, 16 RBIs. I mean, that's just incredible. I do want to ask you about a game in particular, and I'm sure you get talked about it a lot. The Coastal Carolina game, trailing 7-6 to six in the ninth, two outs in the game, and you hit your third home run of the game. Bulldogs go on top. They go back. They win that regional. You go to Florida State. You win the Super, and then you go to Omaha. Just talk to us about that game. Well, uh,
2: starting off that regional, we were actually the one seed, and Georgia Tech was the number two seed, and we both lost first game. So regionals are double elimination. Uh, so we had a matchup against them. Uh, second game, we ended up beating them. And then uh, it was Coastal Carolina and Georgia Southern that that actually was in the winner's bracket. Uh, Coastal Carolina ended up beating Georgia Southern. So after we took care of Tech, we matched up against Georgia Southern on Saturday night. I believe that night I hit for the cycle. Um, Just got locked in. I got locked in from that point on. And then the next day we had to beat Coastal Carolina twice. And they only had to beat us once. We, We beat them the first game. And then second game, like you said, down 7-6 in the ninth inning. And actually, before, when we came off the field in the uh, bottom of the eighth, I went back into the locker room to go to the bathroom. Funny story, and I just listened to uh, Jeff Danzler on the radio because they had the radio on in the clubhouse. And he was talking about all of our come-from-behind ninth inning victories uh, for that season. Like, we had, I guess we had a whole bunch. I mean, at the time, I guess when you're playing, you don't really – you know, you don't really take notice to it or whatnot. You know, we know we had a good team. We won a lot of games. Like you said, we won the SEC. But I walked in there to go to the bathroom, and I knew I was fourth up that inning. And I was fourth and four already with two homers. And I was just saying, oh, man, just give me a chance. Give me a chance to get up to the dish, which means either it's a tie game or I got a chance to, to take the lead. So there'd be somebody on base. And sure enough, we had one guy on first the two outs. And uh, they, they were pitching their ace that inning, I believe, or they brought him in just for me. I can't remember that part. But he's the one that shut down Tech on Friday night. And he was good. I actually faced him again, Scott Sturkey. I faced him again in the minor leagues. Um, he threw first pitch slider to me, and I swung out of my shoes because I was locked in, and I missed it by about three feet so he came back with sinker sinker in the dirt and I knew that he couldn't throw a sinker for a strike so I knew the slider was coming again and lucky me he threw it in the same exact spot he threw the first one so I knew exactly where it was going to break and I just went out and got it and the rest is history
0: now where do you rank that day personally in your career you had a 5 for 5 day in the big leagues of Cincinnati that's obviously huge where does that game against Coastal Carolina rank oh that's
2: number one in my lifetime that was Unbelievable! I mean, the guys, the pitcher, the pitcher on the other team was walking off the field, even though they were the home team. He walked off the field, and you know they got it. They got him in the newspaper the next day, where he was mid, mid throwing, throwing his glove into the dugout, like he thought the game was over. But we ended up going back out in the field, and they got one guy on, and they had one out, and we ended up rolling a double play to get out of it. And my teammates came out there and picked me up and carried me. Carried me on their shoulders off the field, so that was an amazing moment in my in my lifetime in my career. I mean, that was definitely number one. We ended up going up to uh, the fence on Kudzu Hill that they put up just for the regionals to keep the students out. But the students were actually our biggest fan base during that season until you know we started making some noise in the headlines with you know winning the SEC and hosting the regional. So they blocked the they blocked the students out up there since they didn't have to buy tickets. So we ended up going up there. After they carried me off the field, we ended up going up there and ripping down the fence and celebrated with the, uh, with the fans, with our student section, which was awesome.
0: Yeah, that had to be an incredible experience. I mean, just to finish that year in Omaha, that's got to be your goal entering the season. I mean, entering college, you know, that's the goal for every college athlete is to go to Omaha. What was the Omaha experience like? Obviously, it didn't go the way you wanted to on the field, but just the overall experience to make the College World Series. It let
2: me know what the big leagues are going to be like. I mean that's about as close as you can get at an amateur level to the big leagues. I mean your adrenaline—if your adrenaline isn't rushing while you're in that World Series on every pitch, every every second. I mean whether you're on defense or whether you're batting or whether you're in the dugout letting your team bat, um, it's, it's great atmosphere. It's you know the we had the Nebraskan. The Nebraska folks cheering for us because they got bounced out in two games as well. So I guess we were looked at as underdogs in that tournament. And, you know, they started cheering for us. But it's packed crowd. It's loud. Um, You know, every hit is big. Every pitch, every out, every error, everything's big and magnified. So that's about, you know, after getting to play in the big leagues, that's about as close as you can get. And I'd say those games were more meaningful for me being in the World Series than I ever played in the major leagues. I mean, as many years as I played in the major leagues, I never got to play on the team that made it to the postseason. So, for me, that was that was the most exciting part of my
0: career with playing in that. Well, it's definitely an experience of a lifetime. I do want to move on to the big league career. You're drafted in the fourth round by the Pittsburgh Pirates. Obviously, it had to mean a huge deal to you and your family to get drafted. Do you remember that day? Oh yeah.
2: Um, well, you know, kind of, kind of after going, you know, through three years of college, you, you, you know, there gets talk to be around and you get. You get a uh, scout day out there to go work out some of the scouts and, you know, you talk to some of the scouts. So I I kind of had an idea that I was being drafted. What round, that I didn't know. But I knew my numbers were, were good across the board, um, you know, across the nation. So, you know, I was pretty confident that, that I was going to be drafted and that I was going to get a chance to go play. And it was a dream come true. I mean, it's it's very surreal when they give you that call and tell you that they drafted you and they're going to give you the opportunity, you know, to go have a chance to make it to the big leagues
0: yeah you know you definitely made the most of that chance to spend over 10 years in the big leagues I mean talk to us about what it was like play I mean obviously it's cliche but for people listening it does matter what is it like to be in the big leagues what was it like from the day one you debuted in 2004 with the Mets to finishing your career with Chicago just talk to us about the big leagues I mean what's that experience like
2: it's everything you think it would be it's 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 exhilarating it's exciting it's Close to the World Series in college, you know, it's all magnified. You feel like everything is you know, you're being watched by a lot of people and, and, you know, every little thing you do, whether it's good or bad, you know, it gets blown up either way. And I mean it's when you're when you're in that, that clubhouse and in that locker room before the before your first game or before any game really, you know, you get you get top of the line service. I mean they got all kinds of food in there, they got masseuse. they got a masseuse in there to massage you out if you need it. Every so often, and I mean, it's just—it's top of the line, and you're about to be a performer.
0: Yeah, I mean, it definitely sounds like a dream come true. It's another way to put it, right? It's a dream come
3: true. Uh,
2: that, I mean, that is—that's cliche to say, but that, it is—it's a dream come true. I mean, everything that you work hard for in your in your, you know, in your childhood and growing up, and you know, you finally get an opportunity to get there when you walk into there. It's everything that you think it is. I mean, the, the emotions that rush through you is just about everyone you can think of um you know borderline of not crying cuz you're in there with a bunch of your buddies but you know or a bunch of your teammates that so you're going to be teammates with for years to come um but it, it's it's un- it's hard to describe it's it's really unbelievable
0: well, Jeff, you got a name for yourself in the big leagues as being someone that could always just put the ball in play, and that's a huge advantage. I mean, that's just something that you always want. Talk about leading the MLB and the lowest strikeout rate in two years, 2008 and 2010. Well, I found an incredible stat. In 2010, you struck out 36 times and 510 at-bats. I mean, obviously, talk about being locked in in high school. Talk to us about being locked in in the big leagues. Well,
3: I mean, it, it all came
2: from growing up. Uh, my brother, My brother, Billy, is 16 months older than me, and Growing up, he was always better than me. I mean, every, every single season, and I always got to play up uh, above my age group with him when he would move up to a new age group. And at those times, I was a little guy. So, you know, playing out there with the older kids, some of them were twice twice my size. So I had to figure out things I could do to still be, you know, in the lineup and put out there on the field. So, you know, obviously playing on bigger fields that I should have been on, it was I couldn't hit home runs. So... That's one thing I couldn't try for um, at those levels. And so the thing for me was to put the ball in play. Put the ball in play, which will allow me to get as many hits as possible. I mean, you obviously can't get a hit if you don't put it in play. So that was my goal, and I just – I got lucky that in my career that that's something that that ended up playing to my advantage. So from my childhood growing up, taking that as a serious part um, of just trying to put the ball in play and not try to do too much it actually paid off for me big time for my career because that's kind of what I became known for was a contact hitter that was tough to strike out. You know, I could take pitches, give tough at-bats, work counts, let lead, lead off batters, steal, move runners over, sack butt. You know, I could do all the little things that if you're watching the game today, they're pretty scarce. You know, guys are all going try to be the big guy now and try to hit home runs, and, you know, that's the way the statistics are, are showing that, you put up more runs, just hitting more home runs, so a lot of the guys now kind of overlook the small things, and they're swinging more for the fences. When I got to college and, and then started in pro ball, that took over as I couldn't stand walking back to the dugout with the bat in my hand. I at least had to, to jog the first, run the first, something like that. If I didn't, I was very upset with myself, so... You know, that was something that I, that I prided myself in is, you know, to, to not get beat by that pitcher. I felt he beats me if I have to walk back from the batter's box to the dugout.
0: Just whether, from, whether it's from coaching or just giving advice through your career, you mentioned that it does seem like it's changed where everyone wants to be a power hitter now everyone wants to hit home runs. Do you recommend the approach of just put the ball in play? Or do you think, hey, you know, people are paying big money for guys that are hitting it out of the park. What is your recommendation of that to players at the younger level? Yeah,
2: I mean, I don't think your mind goes to hey, people are paying big, paying money to come watch people hit the ball out of the park. I don't think your mind goes there. You're you're more in t- you know game mode and team mode where hey, you're trying to do what's best for your team to win the games. So we're just out there trying to win games. What's the best? And you know, there's a lot of analytics in the game now, which weren't around even in my days. I mean, they're they're all pretty fresh and pretty new. Um, but the end, you know, the the stats show that. Your team scores more runs, which scoring more runs produces more wins, and that comes by uh, power numbers, slugging percentage and and extra base hits and stuff like that puts up more runs. Um, You know, it it takes three singles to score a run where it only takes two doubles. It only takes one homer. So the chances of, you know, the odds of getting three hits in an inning are nowhere near as great as getting two hits or one hit. You know, it's just those hits need to be power hits. So the game has changed to, you know, that philosophy as far as scoring runs. For me, I think that people should take both approaches. I mean, early in the count or you get ahead in the count, yeah, you should be swinging to to drive the ball and barrel it up and drive it. But you should also know how to tone that back when you got two strikes. I mean, what worked for me was I knew the pitchers. I knew the pitchers that we were facing. I mean, they have video in there that you can go watch of the the starting pitcher that's going to start that night against you of his – Every single game of that season that he's pitched so far. So you get to go back and look at them all and see how he's working certain hitters. You can find certain hitters on other teams that he pitched against that are similar to you. And try to beat him to the punch. You know, try to be on top of him. Look for certain pitchers. Have, have, a, have an approach. Have a game plan. You know, an attack. That really worked for me. You know, the, the, pitchers, the pitchers that obviously the same guys are at the top of the league year in, year out with their ERAs, with their wins, with their strikeouts. So you know which guys those are. So if they're a strikeout guy, the guys they're striking out are the guys that try to swing for the fence. So obviously against those guys, it's probably not a good idea to, to be swinging for the fence because they don't give many homers up. So on those guys, yes, you should be able to change your approach and, you know, go for more contact, put the ball in play, make them work, make them throw pitches, try to get them out of the game. I mean, those pitchers are, are good for a reason. So, you know, you got to do everything you can to – to try to
0: knock them out of the game how much do you think you improved in the mlb like everyone's talking about you, you worked to improve in high school you worked improve in college were you continuously working to improve at that level over the course of your 10-year career
2: you're always working to improve i mean baseball's a failure sport you hit 300 you're a hall of famer you know in your career so i mean that's three out of ten so you know it's you're always working to improve i mean Nobody's ever beating the pitchers. Nobody's ever hit over five hundred. So that I would say you hit over five hundred and you won you won. You beat the pitchers. But other than that, the pitchers are beating us up nonstop. So you gotta constantly be working. You gotta I mean the the big leagues is all about adjustments. You know, like I said, we have video to watch the pitchers. Well there's video for those pitchers to watch the hitters. So they can see their weaknesses and they find them very fast. Uh, that's where you get the word sophomore slumps from. Or the phrase, sorry, not the word, but the phrase, sophomore slumps. Because other teams had a year to see that player play, and now sophomore year, their second year, those teams are going to change up the way they pitch them. Now it's up to the batter to make that adjustment. The guys that don't make the adjustment, you see, they only play a year, year and a half in the big leagues. They're done. The guys that can make the adjustment, well, you see them. They play 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, all the way up to 20 years. So adjustments are huge. You always got to constantly be working on different types of approaches. I mean, you can't just go up there and swing for the fence every time. It's not going to work.
0: How did pitchers approach you knowing that you don't strike out? Like, obviously, they had to change their approach going after a guy like you.
2: Well, it changes It changes game to game. It changes a bat to a, to a at bat. I mean, the the thing with not striking out a lot is my coaches batted me in the two-hole. Well, batting in the two-hole, I got the leadoff batter in front of me. So every time he's on base, which hopefully is around at least 400 you know, four out of ten times he's on base, well, I already know right off the bat that he can steal bases and he can run. So the pitchers are worried about him stealing bases. So this is where I beat them. So, okay, they don't want to throw me off-speed pitches because they're worried about him stealing second and being in scoring position. So certain times, hey, I'm swinging early in the count. And they know that I don't strike out, so they don't want to waste pitches. They don't want to sit there and throw their off-speed pitches in the dirt and see if I'll chase it because they've already learned that I don't do that. But I know that they've learned that I don't do that. So now I'm going to go up there and, you know, one week I'll go up there and I'll take first pitch strike every single at-bat that I I hit. Every at-bat I'll take first pitch strike. Well, now I know when they go back and they're looking at the scouting reports, hey, he took first pitch strike for the last last week, for the last 25 to 30 at-bats. He didn't swing first pitch strike. So let's get ahead of him with the fastball first pitch. Okay, well, I'm swinging now. I got you. You know, maybe the first game of that series – I'm gonna take and let them think that I'm still on that on that roll and now I'm gonna pick my pitcher of those three games that series. I'm gonna take which pitcher that I think that I I can probably leave the yard on him. When he throws me his flat fastball, it's gonna be middle of the plate, he's trying to get ahead first pitch. I'm gonna ambush him and I'm gonna I'm gonna swing and I'm gonna to try to I'm gonna to try to do some damage with it. And you know, it was basically with me, with pitchers, it was a cat and mouse game. They had to figure out what I was trying to do. And, you know, I had to figure out what they were trying to do to me. But a lot of times, what kept me around is that I could basically be a step ahead of them of what they were trying to do. I mean, I learned heavily in the minor leagues how to hit the ball opposite field. And I learned how to hit an inside pitch through the four hole between first and second base. You know, that's not something that's easy to do. you got to really keep your hands inside the ball and get enough of it on the barrel to still get it through there, even though it's an inside fastball. So those are things that I learned how to do, and I use those to my advantage. So when runners would get on base, you know, I was always called upon being in two holes to move the runner to third base if there was no outs. That way the three-hole hitter comes up with a man on third. So I knew that the pitchers knew that and that the catcher knew that on the other team. So they don't want me to hit it to the right side. They want me to pull it. So they're either going to throw me off-speed pitches or they're going to throw me fastballs inside. So sometimes... I would take advantage of that, and I'd say, you know what? I'm not going to move him over this time. I'm going to drive him in myself. So he's going to throw me fastballs based on which pitcher's pitching. You know, I'm going to make up my mind and say he's going to throw me the fastballs in if my leadoff batter gets to second base with no outs. So, you know, and I'm going to stick with that game plan. If he ends up throwing me 4 changeups, then so be it. He does. But I'm sticking with my game plan. I'm not changing from pitch to pitch. I'm sticking with it. And when he gives me that pitch, I'm not missing it. And, I mean, that's that that was the key for me. Like, when I got the pitch I wanted, I didn't miss it. I put it in play. And then when I would get two strikes, it was just battle mode. It was basically do whatever I can to touch the ball, touch it. And that's it. I mean, if you touch it enough times, you, you know, if you're striking out, you're walking back. You have no chance to get anything done for your team or for yourself. You don't get a hit. You you can't get on base. I mean, I guess unless it's a strike drop three. Um so you have no chance if you don't hit the ball. So my philosophy was, hey, just hit it. It don't matter if you get jammed. I mean, you a jam job can be a blooper over second. Hitting it off the end of the bat can be a little squibber swing and bunt. So, you know, you I figure out of a hundred at bats, by not striking out ten times compared to someone else's ten times, hey, two or three of those, I'm gonna get the fall in for hits. And if I if I get lucky that season, you know what? Four of those every ten or every yeah, four of those every, every ten that I don't strike out for, you know, every hundred at-bats. So, I mean, over 500 at-bats, you're talking another 20 hits. So that's, that's how I thought
0: about it all the time. Well, I definitely think it's a great way to think about it. I mean, that fires me up. That's definitely a lot of really good information, and I think everyone listening can apply. I mean, obviously, you use this and help your career. You spend a lot of time at the big leagues, like, you know, more time than most people that will ever spend in their whole life. What was your best experience from that? And it doesn't even have to be on the field. It could be off the field. But what do you take away? Like people's like, man, you spent 10 years playing Major League Baseball. What was your best experience, favorite moment about that?
2: Well, my favorite moment and my best thing about it was that, that that's what I always wanted to do as a little kid. So I got to live out my dream as a little boy. And, I mean, that, that, that right there is is what it's all about. Um, on top of that, you know, it, it, it allowed me to look – at the world and people different, I guess, sort of say. Maybe not the world, but just people, because i played on so many different teams that are made up of so many different people from so many different places, and it lets you see a wide variety of different cultures, different people, different attitudes, you know, and you and getting to see that and basically let me know, like, how people in the real world are. You know, not everybody's the same. Just about every single person is different. Um, and, you know, I think if i didn't get to experience that and be around all those different players and be from all different places you know you basically go to school you go to high school you know i would have gone to college right down the street from my high school and then i probably would have gotten a job around the same area pretty much you know where i went to school at so you basically see the same people over and over again and it seems like you know in certain areas people all kind of act the same and you know it's it's just different it's different around the country and it's different around the world i think it's
0: kind of cool Absolutely. I think it would. people most agree it's definitely more than cool. Quickly, man, before I let you out, I, I do want to run these two facts off you because I don't even know if you may recall. Did you know that you are currently still, to this day, the all-time batting leader for the Altoona Curve? <laughs> About an average? Yes, sir. Three thirty-four. Three thirty-four. No one's beat it. Jeff Cavanager, best hitter of all time. I actually saw a tweet a week ago that I just you know just looking up good information for this interview. Person that worked in their personnel said you're the best hitter to ever come through there. So that's high praise. I know that's got us. feel yeah, that's, that's
2: that's awesome to hear. <laughs> uh, you know, I, I no, I didn't I didn't know that. I mean, I know that year that I was in Double A, I had a great year. I mean, I think a, April, May, somewhere mid June, I was hitting four oh eight. I want to say something, something like that. So to finish at 334 is kind of disappointing. <laughs>
3: um,
2: but that, but that same year, well, I mean, where I was at. I'm not talking about before the season started. You know, even at the end of the year, yeah, that's a great year, hitting 334. But where I was at and how I was feeling at that time, at that, at that level. I mean, obviously, I went into big slumps. If I was two months in hitting 408, it's only a five month season. So that means I had one month that I probably hit 200. Which isn't good. But that same year, though, got me to the big leagues. So I got traded that same year to to the Mets. And I went to their A, which was in the same league, actually, as Altoona Curve. Where they were actually a different divisions. We were both first-place teams. Um, and I was there for, I don't know, two weeks. And then guys got hurt up in the big leagues. They called the AAA guys up. I went to AAA for a week. Hit, like, 315 there in the week. And then another guy got hurt. And before you know it, I was up in the big leagues. And then I was basically battling the triple A shortstop and second baseman for playing time. So after I got my first chance to start and got in that bat, that was it. I, the coach stuck with me and played me the rest of the rest of the season, which I wish I could have stayed in New York and played with the Mets after that season, but it just didn't didn't work out that way for me. Because New York was kind of kind of awesome and
0: special special for me since that was the team that gave me the opportunity. Another, just a random fact I saw, in 2013, I'm sure you've seen this before, 140 plate appearances without a walk. Is that the most you've ever gone in your career?
2: You know, like I like I was talking earlier with my strikeouts, the pitchers know that I'm not going to chase their pitches off the plate. So, you know, you're at a level where it's the best of the best. I mean, these are the best pitchers in the world. If they can't throw strikes to a guy that they know is not a home run threat, he's not a power threat, and hey, he's not going to chase my slider in the dirt. He's only going to swing at strikes. That's all I'm going to see is strikes. You know, so it's either what? I can stand up there and try to draw walks, you know, or I can be ready to hit because they're coming right at me. So, you know, like, to me, the the walk number, it's overrated. It's great because people say that means you're on base. Well, it depends on where you bat in the lineup. I mean, a three-hole hitter, a four-hole hitter are going to get walked in certain situations. A two-hole hitter that averages five home runs a year – They're not gonna. The pitchers aren't gonna be scared of them. So you know, I know that they're gonna come right at me with pitches and throw strikes at me, and you know, I'm gonna be the guy that they walk people to get to. So it's it's not easy to walk at that level when when pitchers are coming right at you and they're not they're
0: not scared of you. Absolutely, and I would have to say your high baseball IQ, which has obviously been shown in this interview, has helped you get to where you are too, because your baseball IQ is off the charts.
2: That's what kept me in the big leagues. Is that I felt like I could. I wasn't the most athletic guy. I wasn't the biggest guy. I mean, tools guy, I had one. I could hit. Everything else was average. Power power was below average. Arm was average. Range was average. Speed was average. But my IQ and, and figuring out what these pitchers were doing to me and how to get my hits and get on base and get my numbers. And then defensively was, hey, don't make the routine error. So make the routine play. I was never a web gem guy. I didn't make the crazy diving, throw it off your behind. And throw the guy out of first type of player. That just wasn't it wasn't me, but I knew that. So I wasn't trying to make those type of plays, but I knew that I needed to bear down and make the routine plays. So I need to make less errors than the guy that they can replace me with. That you know he's going to make five to ten flashy plays a year, but if I can make five to ten less errors, they even themselves out. So that's that was my thinking on defense, and then I figured I could out hit him. You know, what I mean you. you <laughs> You're constantly looking over your shoulder in the major leagues unless you're Mike Trout on a 10-year contract. I mean, I, I was on one-year contracts my whole career, and, you know, there's there's a draft every single year. There's players knocking at the door wanting to get up there and take your spot. So at the same time, while you're up there trying to compete on your team, like, you're also battling for your livelihood, you know, for your family, because guys guys are ready to take their spot any, any chance they can get. So you, for a guy like me, I didn't have – Much room for error. If you know, if I were to slip up and not produce that year, it'd be very easy for them to send me back to the minor leagues. So I took that personal, and and I tried to make it where they could not send me back. And I figured, trying to make contact, don't strike out a lot, don't make a lot of errors, and don't make mental errors. If that's one thing at the major league level that they 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 don't tolerate, they don't like them. I mean, unless you're Mike Trout, which he's a very smart IQ baseball player as it is, anyways. But if you have a guy with his tools that makes some mental mistakes every now and then, they forgive them because of the production that they're going to produce. But for other guys, no, nah, they don't. They don't put up with it too long. So you have to be in the right spot where you're supposed to be, do the things you're supposed to do, take bases when you're supposed to take bases, you know, and don't and don't do dumb stuff that costs your team games. So you do you do stuff like that. You, you know, you can stick around as long as you you produce somewhat. You know, but if you're a guy that's just average producer and you're making mental mistakes all, all over the place, they're sending you back to the minors to get that right. So that's something I would advise younger kids to get on track with is know the game. Pay attention to the game. When you're not in there, watch the pitchers. What are the pitchers doing? What are, what are they striking guys? When they strike guys out on your team, what are they striking them out with? What pitch? Uh, what's their go-to pitch with two strikes? Um, when they fall behind, are they throwing fastballs? If they are, be ready to hit those fastballs when they fall behind. I mean, those are all types of things that you should be thinking of and know and be looking for that's going to help you get an edge on the next guy who's not doing that.
0: Absolutely, man. Super sound advice. Last before I let you go, I know you're playing some ball this summer. Talk to us about that.
2: I am. I'm going to play in the uh, Herschel Woody Williams Medal of Honor Foundation. It's the uh, Bluegrass World Series. It's played in Louisville, Kentucky. It's a a team of ex-big leaguers. Um, that go in and play against some um, college wooden bat summer teams, summer league teams. Um, I think we played three games, just a little tournament, round robin tournament, I'm guessing. And you know, it's to it's to raise money for charity for the sports military, and there's some other causes in there that we help support, but that's the major one. And it's you know, it's a fun time for for us guys that are retired, and it's for a good cause. So I'm gonna get to go out there, and and you know, I, I ended my career on a rehab assignment. So I had shoulder surgery at the end of 2013, which ended that season short. And I started 2014 on the DL rehabbing. And as soon as I got ready and and healthy enough to go back and play, they released me. And that was the last time that I saw Major League Clubhouse. So I never really got to say goodbye to the game the way I would have liked to. Um, It's Still a little bitter taste in my mouth. I got to be home and watch my kids grow and, and be there at their sports games, which is priceless. So, this is kind of like a uh, goodbye to baseball for me, which I'm actually looking forward to stepping back in the batter's box and seeing the
0: pitch come at me again. Well, we know one thing's for sure. That's going to be a really tough feat for the opposing pitcher. Um, Man, we wish you the best. (laughs) Yeah, we wish you the best of luck in that event. And thank you so much for your time, Dad. I really cannot stress that enough. I think this interview is fantastic. And I think our listeners and mainly mainly our young student athletes are really going to get a lot out of this. So, I truly appreciate you. Oh, yeah. Anytime, man. Two more interviews to get to, North Gwinnett catcher Corey Collins and Hebron Christian centerfielder Max Bennett. But first, a quick word from our sponsor, Mulder & Associates. Now is a great time to tell you about our friends at Molder & Associates. Marla Molder is a leading realtor in Gwinnett County and also specializes in Lake Lanier properties. Molder & Associates will work to clear all the hurdles of your real estate transaction. Whether you're selling a house or buying a home, communication throughout is key. Their philosophy is simple, client comes first. Marla Molder, your realtor for life, making dreams come true one home at a time. Give Marla a call at 404-569-7393 or visit her online at marlamovesyou.com. She promises to take exceptional care of your real estate needs. We were able to grab a few minutes with the 2019 Gwinnett County Player of the Year, North Gwinnett catcher Corey Collins. Collins hit 500 this season with 10 doubles, 15 home runs, and 45 RBIs. Even more impressive, Collins only struck out 14 times, and he walked 27. I mean, just an incredible season for Corey. He went into this year wanting to win this award, and he accomplished just that. The Bulldogs are currently 29-5 on the season, and they're currently in the hunt for the 7A title. Joining us now on the Gwinnett Baseball Report, catcher Corey Collins. And we're here live with North Quinnette catcher Corey Collins. Corey, how are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing fantastic. Corey, first thing I want to ask you to start off this year, man, because you've been incredible. What were your goals entering this senior season? Well,
4: just all started off in the cages early fall, and my goal was just to be the player of the year at the end of the year. That's the goal that I set, and I worked hard with Brian McCain, and I learned many things from him. and Just another big league guy that I could talk to, and we set a goal that, He wanted me to be player of the year, and that's what I wanted to be, and that was my goal.
0: Well, let's talk right about that since you mentioned it. You did win player of the year. You were outstanding. You hit 500 this year, 15 home runs with 45 RBIs. I mean, just talk about that production in your senior season.
4: Just usually taking what they give me and then just being able to hit the pitches and just drive them. You know, my job as a three-hole is just to get guys in, and that was the goal, and I just wanted to help my team out doing that. home runs came naturally, and it just all felt smooth.
0: Well, I mean, it definitely felt smooth, man. You're hitting 500. Talk about that 100 at bats, 50 hits. I mean, something I got to ask you, which really impressive, jumps off the screen. 25 extra base hits, 27 walks on the season, only 14 strikeouts. Talk to you about that. I don't
4: know. I've always felt like I've just been seeing the ball well all year and just you know, recognize the balls and then just fighting off strikes. If I don't or if I can't drive them, just pitchers pitches, and then just hitting something when they make a mistake.
0: Now you're playing arguably the best lineup here in Gwinnett County, North Gwinnett, 29-5 on the season, number two in the state. Uh, just talk to us about this team you're playing on right now for North Gwinnett. They're just
4: a fun, relaxed team, a bunch of guys. that just wants to go out there every day and doesn't want to be anywhere else. Uh, they're just a great group. I love playing with them, and I couldn't ask for more out of them. We work hard every day, weight room to the field. Just we're always with each other, and I couldn't name a better bond than the team has.
0: How did this week? How did this past week go for you against Forsyth Central? It
4: went well. I think it was a step up from the first round, and it was definitely a series that we needed to need to get under our sleeve. Um, the guys did great. Our pitchers competed, and everything. Our hitters competed as well. We saw two great arms, and we just ended up coming out on top, playing our game, and just had fun.
0: Talk to us about your commitment to UGA. What stood out about Athens, and uh, what makes you proud to be a Bulldog?
4: I've when I first moved down here, uh, I just was a Georgia fan, and I went up there doing little camps, little kids camps, and just always being around up there. And then when my finally, like my dream started coming true of being able to play in college, and they had interest in me, and I had interest in them, and just I couldn't pick a better spot. It's a beautiful place, and coaches are awesome. I can't complain about
0: it at all. How would you say playing baseball here in Gwinnett County against some of the top talent in the country is going to help you at that next level playing D1 baseball in the SEC? There's so
4: many guys out of Gwinnett County that it's just that end up going to play in a higher level. And this is the, I mean, where we are is the best of the best. Like, it's, there's no doubt top guys come out of here every year and just the state of Georgia anyway. Whether I'm playing high school ball or like travel or anything, I mean, just you're always around guys that are going to be going to the next level and that just helps you prepare for the the next step up.
0: Well, you mentioned it yourself. It was a goal for you to win that Gwinnett County Player of the Year Award. You did win it. What did it mean to you and your family to finally find out you did take that trophy home? It was
4: just it just a big satisfaction of all the hard work paid off and everyone that helped help me get there it was just it just all finally paid off and that was just awesome. I'm not gonna lie, I was really happy about it and I just had a lot of people behind me just supporting me all the way and getting me
0: where I am. Corey, we mentioned it earlier, man, 29-5 and five on the season, looking like state championship contenders, hosting Etowah in the Elite Eight. Talk about what do you think it needs to happen this week to get to the Final Four.
4: Just keep playing our game. No one needs to press or do anything. No one needs to try to be the big hero. Just We all just play our game, have some fun. We can come out on top any day.
0: Absolutely. Thank you so much, Corey, for spending some time with us today. We really appreciate you. Yes, sir. Thank you. Huge thank you again to Corey for stopping by this week. And now I want to bring you an interview with who many feel may be the best defensive center fielder in the state. Max Bennett at Hebron Christian Academy. I mean, the guy can absolutely fly. He's hitting 350 this season, 20 stolen bases. Defensively, he has incredible range. And don't hit the ball to center field because Max Bennett's going to be there. Hebron Christian's got a guy. So without further ado, here's our interview with Max Bennett. And we're here live with Hebron Christian center fielder Max Bennett. Max, how are you? I'm good i'm doing very well max talk to us about what it's like to be a Hebrew christian lion it's got to be pretty good these days i think being a Hebrew christian academy lion is it's really
3: about doing what your coach all these years we have a great coaching staff and they've talked a lot about baseball and all the fundamentals and little things that make a huge difference and i think that
0: playing as a team is the best thing about even absolutely max how long have you been in the program with hebron christian how long have you been going there since seventh grade since seventh grade so now. and have you been playing baseball there that long yes sir six years how do you see yourself there as a seventh grade baseball player at hebron to now your senior year how do you feel how far you've come Well, let's talk about the way you play baseball. I mean, obviously, you play baseball extremely well. Described to me as one of the best defensive center fielders in the state of Georgia. Talk to us about your defense and your range out there in center field. Well, after being coached and everything about how to play and read the ball off
3: the bat and being adjusted before the play and before the hit is a big part of it. And my speed comes along very well. I consider myself a pretty fast person. And.
0: That's that's about it. It's my speed and being able to see the ball off the bat. Well, it's certainly been productive, and that speed's also helping you at the plate, hitting 350 you near know, 20 stolen bases. So, just talk about what's been helping you like on offense. Yeah, so I hit a, a lot of singles, ground balls, missed ground balls, like we're coached, and I seem to be able to outrun most of them. And then I have about over 20 stolen bases before playoffs, and that's yeah. Well, it's definitely been playing off. Speaking of playoffs, it's been working. Talk to us about these first couple of weeks of playoffs. You're undefeated so far in the postseason. Um, You didn't get the seed you wanted, but it's not mattering right now because you know y'all are still getting the work done. Yeah, absolutely. The beginning of the season, we started off pretty
3: slow. Kind of playing like we weren't. We weren't playing how we were coached to play, and we were playing selfishly at the beginning, but we started quickly to come together. And uh, now after barely making it into the playoffs, we've really proven ourselves that we can play as a team and we're playing a whole lot different than we were.
0: And I'm excited to see how far we go. Going into this season, what was the goal, not only for you, but as this entire team? What was the team's goals? We started, we started to, uh,
3: like, wish to become region champions, but after that happened, we realized that we just had to make playoffs and- it state championship game and that kind of slowed us down a little bit and then we worked hard in practice and we got that
0: out of the way after losing the region so we were focused on playoffs and seems to be working and yeah, do you think y'all are sneaking up on people because it doesn't seem like that could be the case i think y'all are just truly showing that y'all are the better programs and uh you going down there and whether it's lakeview or you know you're going somewhere else like i think going to calvary this weekend do you think y'all are just showing up that y'all are one of the best teams in one A private Yes, I believe we are the best. We're, we
3: have a very tough schedule, and a lot of other teams don't. And their records might be better going into playoffs, but once we're in the playoffs, we're, they're not ready for us. We're, we do the little things
0: that just make a huge difference, and we'll push other teams to make errors, and it works out. Talk to us a little bit about your pitching staff, whether it's Ashby or Alexander. Just, they've really been getting it done so far, especially when it matters the most in the postseason. Yeah, So it's got to be fun this week. You're in the Elite Eight. You know, you're down there. You're still playing baseball. Anytime you're playing baseball in May, it's got to be awesome. But you get to go on a road trip this week to Savannah really far. Um, Good bonding experience. I know the team's got to be excited. Uh, Talk to us a little bit about that. So, you're a Gwinnett guy, and you're still a local Gwinnett guy playing baseball here in Gwinnett County. How do you think this level of baseball playing in Gwinnett County? Because you don't just play 1A teams. You all scrimmage some of the other teams. You play local teams. You play Tequila. So, what do you think it's like the competition level you see here in Gwinnett? Well, Gwinnett County definitely has the most competitive teams
3: out there just from years of playing baseball. I know that Gwinnett County is a very tough schedule. There's a bunch of good teams out there, and I would consider us to be able to compete at about any like A, or like 7A,
0: 1, 1A through 7A. Max, what are your plans after graduation? What are your plans off the field? I'm planning
3: to attend to and try to get a walk on and uh, either major in education or business, education so I could become a coach in business to start up my own job.
0: Well, this is obviously, you know, with the hopes of being a really busy month down the stretch. If you could script it any way you want, how do you plan the rest of this month going for you? I think the rest of this month we're going to come out with a win if we just
3: play how we were coached. And we all just play as a team and do the little things. I feel like we're going to win
0: for sure. It'll be tough, though. Hey, we're absolutely pulling for you, Max. I really appreciate all your time today, man. And, yeah, thanks for stopping by. Thank you. And that's a wrap for this week's show. Thank you again to Jeff Kepinger, Corey Collins, and Max Bennett. We appreciate all of our guests here at Gwinnett Baseball Report. As always, give us a like on Facebook at Gwinnett Baseball Report and follow us on Twitter at GBR Baseball. We'll talk to you next week again covering the Elite Eight and seeing who's advancing to the Final Four.